Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. You are listening to episode number 44 of the Awesomers.com podcast. And as always, you can just go to Awesomers.com slash 44 to find relevant show notes, details, and even sometimes a link or two. Now today, my very special guest is Jamie Birch, and he is a absolute professional in digital marketing. I've known Jamie for a long, long time, and we get into some of that story and his origin story in today's episode. But a little bit about Jamie is really, uh, he describes himself as a father, a teacher, and an entrepreneur. He's also kind of an affiliate manager at heart. That's kind of how he got his start. But he founded, over time, a company called JEB Commerce, and that has led him into all kinds of activities. When Jamie first started at Coldwater Creek, which is a top five national women's apparel retailer, he took a, uh, an affiliate channel that was doing several thousand dollars a month to a $35 million a year channel for them. That's how powerful affiliate marketing can be when it's done right. Over time, as a manager for SEO and SEM campaigns, he pioneered performance-based relationship outside of even affiliate marketing. And he's always been about negotiating long-term profitable relationships inside and outside of the affiliate channel. And that basis of philosophy and experience is what he built JEB Commerce. Now he's all about helping his clients and, and building the company. And you're going to find out lots of fun facts and details about how that channel works. And I can't wait for you to get a listen to this episode. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Awesomers. Welcome back. It's Steve Simonson. And uh, guess what? Today, I've got one of my old friends and uh, somebody I think an awful lot of, Jamie Birch, joining us. Jamie, how are you, pal? I am doing great and honored to be here. Thank you, Steve. Well, it's certainly a pleasure for myself and the audience to get a chance to learn from you. And I've already read in your bio on some of the things that we uh, have learned about you and, and that I already know about you. So the audience kind of has a little bit of a context for what we're going to talk about. But maybe you could just tell us kind of where you live and in general terms what you do today. Yeah, so I live in the resort town of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And so I'm an entrepreneur and a business owner. Uh, I own two businesses. Um, the first uh, that I started 14 years ago is JEB Commerce. And we are a digital marketing agency specializing in affiliate marketing. Uh, and the second business uh, I started with a co-founder now three years ago. Uh, called Renewed Horizons, and that one is totally unrelated to uh, marketing in, in any way, although there's some marketing of it, but that is an agency that works with adults with developmental disabilities. Uh, so it's been an interesting 
journey of, of seeing what I learned in that first business in those 14 years and how quickly those learnings when deployed now in something new and completely unrelated uh, can help that grow exponentially faster than my first business. Well, that, that's a very important point for the Oscars out there listening. You know, our experience actually becomes that intellectual equity that I like to talk about. It becomes something that is leverageable. And ideally, we, won't, we don't make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Now, uh, full disclosure, I've definitely made, you know, the same mistake more than once. <laughs> but the key, the ultimate uh, payoff is when you learn to not make that mistake again and again. And uh, th those lessons learned can be, can be leverageable. So uh, for the, the Ospers out there, listen, I think I met Jamie... In 1999, uh, get your time machines out, millennial, uh, millennials. <laughs> and I think we were at a, a commission junction event. My brother Brian Simonson was there as yeah. well. And we saw you speak, or we saw you just in passing, and we were so impressed with what you were doing at the time. You didn't have your own business at that time. No. But you were operating for other people uh, or in some other company. And we just thought, man, oh man, this guy has his act together. We got to stay in touch with this guy. And here we are, you know, 19 or, you know, some odd years later, and uh, we still follow along with what you do because we're, that's how impressive you are. So kudos. Well, to you. I must have pulled it off because I didn't know what I was doing back then. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, the blind leading the blind. We knew less than you. So guess who was the expert in that room? So I was going to say, if you read the bio, you're the, you're one of a few people who would know all the things I didn't include in that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. So. Uh, all right, listen, I, I, we're going to dive into your origin story and then bring it up to the present. Talk a little bit about this, this category, which I find fascinating. And boy, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, Jamie, but you know, people have told me that affiliate marketing is no longer viable. And I hate to yeah. start the show with that, but uh, yeah. have you had time to let that sit in? And, and uh, you know, do, do you agree with that? Uh, what, what are you doing about it? Oh, you know, I've, I've been letting that sit, sit in since uh, well, 1999. There you uh, go. And, and that's the, you know, you've heard SEO is dead. You've heard email is dead. You've heard uh, uh, now, you know, Twitter is dead and, and all this stuff. And I think for the first five years in my career, I probably reacted to those things and was like, oh, now my whole life is uh, coming to an end. What do I do? Um, things change. And that's, I, I honestly, when I started this agency, I didn't think it'd be around. I didn't think the industry would be around for 15 years. Things was, were changing so fast back then that, uh, and, and still now, and through all those changes, the one thing one thing, many things have made the same, but one of them is people sell other people's things. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, and so just for the customers out there listening, in this particular context, when we talk about affiliate marketing, we're more, more or less talking about uh, somebody who's representing somebody else's physical products. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's items that they actually say, hey, this is an interesting item to me and perhaps my audience. And instead of me selling this item or developing this item myself, I see this other brand or this other company offers this. I'm going to marry up through either a third-party platform or perhaps even directly, and I'm going to be an affiliate for these guys. This is different than kind of the internet marketing affiliate. Uh, not that the concept is different, but just the execution, right? This is about physical products and selling physical products. And I have to yeah. say you know, uh, not unlike yourself, I'm always amused every time somebody pronounces something that works really well dead. Um, yeah. Affiliate marketing is one of the best ways 
to do on a cost per acquisition basis to manage your marketing and grow to scale. And is it fair to say that these big platforms are still fostering, you know, millions, tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars worth of sales every year on behalf of brands and, and affiliates? So there was a report uh, that came out in 2014 from Forrester uh, that said, I think in 2015, the revenue uh, uh, generated through affiliate programs, sales of real products through affiliate programs was $4.6 billion. Giddy up. And going up. So this concept has been around, uh, you know, since money, since before currency. Um, and it's not going away anytime soon. And, and you know, it is essentially, uh, many of your listeners are, are probably uh, building product, sourcing it, creating it, selling it. Uh, and then there's the other side of that where people are developing an audience, and so a lot of the affiliates, that's what they do. They develop an audience, and that may be a very simple coupon. You know, they, they offer promotions and offers. Uh, then there may be others who um, they, they're building an audience of backpackers. They're bu building an audience of mothers, of stay-at-home dads, of whatever it is. And once they have the audience, then they're saying, okay, how can I monetize this? And a lot of times that's through affiliate marketing and for people who make physical product. Uh, and there are uh, digital product affiliate programs that are wildly successful as well, uh, including courses and, and educational things like that. What that allows the advertiser, uh, merchant, producer to do is get access to every single internet digital marketing channel um, it, with one budget item uh, and without having to become experts in email, in social, in search, uh, in, in any of the channels that are out there. You can find affiliates that are reaching that audience, and, and that's what it's about. So, yeah, everyone says it's dead. They always say it's dead, uh, and so is SEO, and so is email, and uh, I'm sure they'll declare Amazon dead at some point, and we'll all who are working in those areas will giggle a little bit and keep doing our work. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, typically those headlines are clickbait for somebody who's selling a competing idea or somebody who's just plain ignorant. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, yeah. Too often they, they just simply don't know what they're talking about uh, or they're just trying to you know throw some hyperbole out there and uh, get some attention. Uh, but I want to say out there to the awesomers listening, uh, we're going to dive into this topic a little bit more after we talk about some of Jamie's origin story. And the, the reality is affiliate marketing is alive and well. It is one of the, the key basis points of how Amazon built their business, yep. the most successful affiliate program of all time, probably. And it continues to this day to be an extraordinarily powerful program. So stay tuned. We're going to talk more about this and, and uh, Jamie's origin story right after the break. Empowering. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do, because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Hey, Awesomers, it's Steve Simonson, and we're back again. And today we're talking with Jamie Birch, uh, an expert in the affiliate marketing space and really digital marketing in general, if you want to know the truth. Uh, but we're, we're going to dive into the, to the very beginning, Jamie, if you will. Tell us where you were born. Uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh, Pennsylvania. I'm an East Coast boy. 
How about that? Uh, that surprises me. Uh, how about your parents? Uh, were they entrepreneurial in nature? Or what, what kind of business or uh, trade were they involved in? Uh, so both of my parents were in manufacturing. Uh, my dad uh, and my mom put my dad through school um, and he, uh, he, he stayed in manufacturing. So he ran uh, uh, the uh, operations for Nally's, um, worked at uh, Olin Mills, uh, lighthouse dressings in the Northwest. Uh, and now he's an energy efficiency consultant for those big plants. My mom worked in manufacturing as well. She was one of the first uh, women, I believe it was line supervisors um, at Kraft. Uh, and so uh, learned about work ethic from those two, definitely the importance of education. And, and I, I think, uh, you know, the importance of your career is yours to own. And they, they taught me that. Very smart. Uh, obviously, it's worked out very well. How about any siblings? Yeah, I have two, and they're very successful. Uh, my sister, uh, uh, my sisters Buffy and Megan, um, one owns a, a development house, in, uh, is part owner in a development house uh, in Portland, and the other uh, manages uh, urgent care centers for uh, a very large company. I think she has the whole Northwest. So uh, amazingly successful uh, women, um, a hard group to keep up with. Uh, and, but they are, they are phenomenal. Um, and, and, uh, they just do a great job. So I have a really great family support group, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, business learnings and, um, and, and being an entrepreneur, you know, we always that, I think that you, you can be an entrepreneur and not start a business for ever or a really long time, but that, uh, that, concept of your destiny is yours and your career is yours is a very entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, my career isn't going to happen to me. I'm going to go out and carve it. Uh, I'm going to create it. Uh, I'm going to intentionally find a path. Uh, and that's, that's what, you know, my whole family does. And we do different things. My younger sister and I do similar things, at least in, in the web. Uh, but my older sister is nothing like uh, what, you know, I went into or, or my younger sister. So, but that same, uh, thread through all, you know, my whole family. That is fascinating. Uh, it, it really is uh, quite a testament to see such a diverse, you know, series of, you know, expertise there, right. From manufacturing to urgent care management and so on. Um, and, and yet, you know, the, the entrepreneurial bend of kind of carving your own path and all that seems to be a, that common thread you referred to. So Definitely. Uh, how about that? Uh, you mentioned education. Uh, did you attend university? I did. I went to Central Washington University. Uh, it was the only one that would take me. Uh, uh, <laughs> I applied to, to, you know, like maybe many entrepreneurs, school, uh, I wasn't great in high school. I was off doing other things. Uh, and I always worked, um, but... I was ready to get out and that, I was just trying to get out. And then I spent a couple of years working uh, and then uh, life did not work well, just kind of coasting through. Uh, and I got kicked out of my parents' house and they said, look, we'll help you do a couple of things. Leave. <laughs> I like that. They led with that. First, yep. you're out. Make oh, yeah. Mistake. You're out. Yeah. You're out. That's happening. Uh, we'll take you down to the recruiters and get you in the service uh, and uh, or we'll help you get into school. And I didn't really want to go into the service at that time. Um, I'm pretty independent and 
that wasn't the option. I knew I was leaving, so I figured, well, you know what? I should probably stop screwing around. Let's get into school. Uh, and so uh, I applied to every, every school in Washington, every state school. Uh, and uh, sometimes I heard them laugh when they, re they opened that application. Uh, but Central said, you know, we want to know why. Why do you want to come back? You didn't do well. Why do you want to come back? And so I wrote a letter and basically telling them that I was an idiot and I really, I want to get in and get out. I don't want to, I don't want to spend seven years there. And I, I spent like three and a half. Uh, so I loved it. I had a great time and uh, yeah. That's fascinating. So um, I, I also did a, a, a little stint at Central Washington, although I'm still in high school, uh, at something called Business Week, and uh, maybe mm. we'll do another bonus episode on that one time. And uh, I'll tell you the story of how I got kicked out of Business Week. Uh, it was uh, amazing. I, I do love that program, though, for anybody who's in high school or has kids in high school or what have you. That program, Business Week, really did teach me a lot, and it happened to be hosted by Central Washington University. So Awesome. I, had to, I didn't know we had that in common. Yeah, I spent one week in the dormitories uh, at Central Washington. So, uh, and that's probably the most successful part of my university experience. Uh, so, <laughs> the um, how about your first job, your proper job, uh, as I like to say, maybe it's before or after university, but you know, wh where did you kind of get your first shingle hung out at? Yeah, well, you know, I'd worked full time I, almost since I was twelve. So, I, I the first job out of college, I had no idea what I wanted to do in '99. I really didn't. And uh, you know, my my dad and and older sister and my mom, what they you know kind of taught is this is your job is to find a job. And we used to do this with him. You know, when he was looking for work. I, you know, created a list of places I wanted to work. I went and I it took every interview opportunity I could. I interviewed with Target's management program, which is a really good management program. Uh, I took, uh, I, and I, I got an offer there. I got an offer for Blockbuster. Kind of. Oh, boy, boy, you missed the, missed the train there. Come I on. I missed, you know, I, I think I, maybe I could have turned that around. Maybe yeah, that's yeah, the opportunity. That the difference, <laughs> the birch difference. I like it. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I interviewed for finance companies. I was really interested in, in corporate finance. So I had, you know, and, uh, and manufacturing. So I, I, uh, I had an offer at uh, Gerald Wynn. Uh, for their door and window company, uh, and that one looked the most attractive. Um, and but it was like a five year or ten year, and it may have been a one year, but it seemed so long to get to the role and responsibility I felt that I wanted and deserved. Uh, and that may be uh, arrogance of a twenty three year old, uh, but then my dad sent me a note. The dot com thing was still like really picking up steam. Um, and my dad sent me this article of a kid, uh, who had a, a, I think a Bugatti and he was younger than me and he was making lots of money. And I'm like, I love cars and I love that car. And I think I'm way smarter <laughs> than that guy <laughs> and, uh, love millions, millions of dollars. And so I said, what's he doing? And it's this dot com thing. And I really had to ask other people what it was at that time. I, I, you know, I could email through the pine system at school but I really wasn't, uh, you know, I have computers all through my life, but I wasn't like into it. Like it wasn't my thing. So then I started interviewing again and I landed uh, at a place that asked me uh, three questions um, in the interview. How was your drive? Um, 
do you think you can do this? And when can you start? I think it was, maybe it was just two questions. So I had spent pretty much all my beer money for that weekend on gas to get over to this place and uh, left upset. I was, just, I was like, you guys, like, I, and it was a search engine guru was the job. And I had to ask my computer side roommate what that was. And he had to show me what a search engine was on my way out the door. But the answer to the first question was like, yeah, it was long. The drive was long. But the second was, hell yeah, I can do this. Uh, not knowing really what that was at all. So they offered me the job on my way out of town. They called me back. Uh, and uh, my parents had moved from Seattle to uh, Sandpoint, Idaho. So I thought, well, you know what? This is a pretty good, good move. It's not too far from college where I still have a whole lot of friends. And uh, so I took that job and it was a medical e-commerce company uh, and a political, they did political uh, products. So it was a really weird, th there was absolutely no tie between those two. Um, and that's, that's where I cut my teeth in digital marketing. They sat me in a big conference room where uh, everyone did kickboxing three days a week uh, on a big uh, card table and said, okay, uh, we, want, uh, we want the top three listings for uh, medical books and stethoscopes and stuff like that. Uh, when do you think we can get them? And I'm like, I'm on it. And I had to learn what all those words meant. Like, I really had no idea. And so then I just, yeah. So that was my first job. And it was, nobody knew in the company what it was. Nobody knew how to measure it. Um, but that's why I took the job. I could see like, man, this, this industry is emerging. And I could go to this other industry and it'd take me 10, 15 years to have any responsibility and, and to make the money that I want to make. Or I could come into this thing, take a huge risk. And, but if I show ability to succeed in this thing, then there's going to be all these other things no one knows about. And they'll give it to the young kid who's showing a propensity to be able to do the work. And that's exactly what happened. So when I left, I had email, I had affiliate, I had search. Um, I was doing stuff that I had no reason or right to be doing. And then the, the dot-com bubble started to deflate that company. I was employee number 170. There were three of us, four of us when I left. Wow. Uh, and I was the webmaster. I was doing all the marketing. I mean, I, everything. So that was the first one. Uh, and, and I learned a lot. It was great. Yeah. That dot com boom, uh, for everybody who wasn't a part of it or wasn't directly connected to it was an extraordinary time. It, it really, uh, you know, uh, often people talk about Amazon and the gold rush and I could give you you know, why that is really not even close to a related parallel, by the way. Um, but d just this idea of stampeding, that was definitely happening uh, in 99. And valuations were insane. I remember getting, um, you know, magazines. Um, I, I think there was one called Business 2.0 and maybe Fast Company, these types of things. Yeah. At the back of one of them, they would just have all the, the companies and their valuations. And many of these were already public. And it's like 80 times revenue. Right, they're doing two million dollars a year, but they're somehow worth, you know, eighty times revenue, which would be one hundred sixty million bucks or whatever the case may be. So extraordinary times, and then of course that uh, fantasy land that had been created uh, uh, de de deflated in a big way, and everybody, every major stock, uh, took hits. Most companies in the dot com boom went out of business. It's only the the guys like Amazon or eBay that had a big war chest. Uh, that we're able to kind of uh, stay steady on and, and, and carry on. So it's a really interesting time. You know, 
I, I'm, I'm interested maybe if you had a defining moment, not, not necessarily from that experience, but just from, from the start of your career till today, any defining moment that puts you on the road to where you're at now? Well, I can't, I can't answer that question without talking about you. Oh, nerd. <laughs> and, and that is, you know, there are, I would say, um, you know, up until I left and hung my own shingle, uh, you know, there were small learnings. You know, uh, I learned that the money that I'm bringing in through the affiliate channel has this multiplicative effect on the lives of people around me. We went through, uh, you know, two jobs after that first one. I was at Coldwater Creek. Well, we went through recessions. My team and the team I was on, we never laid off anybody, but every other department was experiencing that. And so there, that was a big learning of like, um, you know, I was trying to chase my dollar and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but there was a greater effect on that. When I brought that money in, people kept their jobs and, you know, there were people who now have better careers because of that money that we all brought in and we were able to continue to do our work. And so that was a really big thing. And that, that's what prompted me to one of the reasons I wanted to leave that company was, man, I, I'm kind of, it's not taking all my time to have this effect on this company. I bet I could do this for two or three and impact just a ton of lives and, 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 and impact mine. Uh, but, you know, starting the business uh, was uh, uh, awesome. Um, and But one of the big moments is you were a client of mine, and we went out to, uh, we went out to lunch. We came over to give you an update of where we're at, plan strategy for a while, for the next year. And on our way out, you were walking with me, and you said, hey, I got to talk to you. And he said, why don't you let your team go up and tell them to go to the car. And I was like, ah, oh, this is where it happens. This is how I get fired. Dang it. And you said, look, you're doing a great job. I love working with you. And you have, you have big wins. Um, but, you know, I've, I, and the words you said were, I don't feel like you are methodically moving the ball down the field. And then you said, you got to go read this book. And so I left right from there. My team drove home. I left from there and uh, went and got the E-Myth revisited. And, and one, I was just happy I didn't lose a client. And two, I was like, you know what, I really respect this guy because one of the things I've always admired, you, you are an entrepreneur. You have, I think at the time you, were, you said, yeah, I own 18 businesses or I run 18 or something like that. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. And to, so that was a big moment because before that you, were, you saw 100% what was the main problem in my business. We knew how to do the work and we did it really well, but we didn't have a process. We didn't have a repeatable process that our clients could feel there was structure, purpose, and intent. Uh, and so at times it would probably be like, what's, what's going to happen? Oh, touchdown. But I, didn't, I had no idea. And so now, you know, we teach before that we were the Brett Favre gunslinger. Like, yeah, and we're, we, we did better than most. Uh, but sometimes watching him as the coach is just like, oh, that's not the play, you know. And now we we try to be, you know, Belichick and Brady. Uh, there's a process. And one of the things, like, without Brett Favre, how's the team do? You know, Seattle's kind of going through that. You know, if Russell Wilson goes down, what, what happens to our team? Uh, but, 
you know, with, you know, you look at the Patriots and that, that pro having a process, sometimes they, they plug people in and they win and you've never heard of them before. Um, so that was probably, that got us down on a road of like, just looking at ourselves critically as well as making processes in the business. Um, and I took that book, we went camping for a weekend. I read it three times in three days. Um, I first, I just read it and I was like, what is, I was looking, actually, you said there's some hippy dippy stuff in there and I couldn't find it. I'm like, dang it, I must be missing something. And then I went through and read it again with a notebook and I, I still had the legal pad and I filled the legal pad with, oh, we need processes for this. Then I, I read it to my wife camping because it's a, it's a, it's not a bit, it's not a dry business book. You know, there's, there's a story to it. She helped me come up with some things. Then I sequestered myself in the office for six, six work days and came up with our first playbook. And actually, I have one of them right here. Oh, look at that. <laughs> you know, thick. Uh, hold down. that up. Let's take a, a close look at that. I've got to get the camera to get back on you. Say something. So, yeah. So uh, this is our very first playbook. Or this is probably the third iteration. And it, it got pretty big. Uh, and so then we went online uh, after this, and now we use Process Street, uh, which I actually heard from in your Catalyst 88 group. Uh, Morgan, I think, presented it. Uh, and I'm forever grateful. It's been great. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think there's 100, it's like 150 pages, 152 pages of things that came out from that. And that enabled us to grow from, you know, like a quarter million dollars in revenue uh, and really was a catalyst to get up to two million in revenue. I love it. So first of all, thank you for that story. Uh, I actually had, I didn't remember that uh, encounter until you recounted it a, a couple years back at a Catalyst 88 uh, Mastermind event. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's true that I've referred this book out a lot. I think you're you're probably one of the finest examples of somebody who took the advice. And I, I generally tee it up in, in a similar way, uh, especially when I see the viability of the, the team, right? As, as we talked about, yeah. you guys can get stuff done. It's just not a predictable outcome uh, yeah. time. at that uh, early point. Now, yeah. Oh, yeah. Th this is many years later, and, and you guys have the playbook, and, and you, you know, have developed it even further and further along, and, and uh, Morgan is also quite brilliant. One of these days, we'll get him on, on the line here, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know this. What I love is just the idea of this evolution, right? We were we were doing business together. We networked, and I was able to give you some little piece of advice that you were able to take and make into something useful. Morgan was able to help you later. All of this is just a virtuous circle, and I, I yeah. that's one of the things I love about being entrepreneurs. We can help each other. None of us lose anything as a result of it. It's not like I gave you a secret and now my bank account is lower. Totally, right? yeah. It's not a zero sum game. Completely right. That, so that abundance mentality. So I, I definitely appreciate you recounting that story. It is something that I, I uh, am, am fond of and I'm, you know, I feel fortunate to be involved in the story. But the, the best thing, and for the audio listeners out there, you know, Jamie just held up a bound book with 152 pages in there that was process and procedure. And when you have zero pages, that seems like impossible. But yeah. <laughs> be like Jamie, right? You know, he just figured it out. He heard uh, the story. It is interesting. So I, I often tell people there are some things about the E-Myth Revisited that are a little on the hippie side, a little uh, soft touch side. And, and obviously, it's my own perception of things. But uh, the fact that you didn't run in, into any of that is uh, hilarious to me. So I, 
I couldn't figure it out, but I think I know what you're talking to talking about. And there was a, a, a part of that called the game uh, worthy of playing or something. And, and it, I didn't get that part of it for like seven years. And now the game we play is we want to delight and surprise our customers. How can we do that? The game I play as a CEO is I want to help my staff reach like some performance level or personal understanding that just blows them away and helps them become a better version of themselves. And they look back and they're like, how the hell did that happen? And I get to be a part of that. So, so now I kind of, you know, I understand the whole book, but it's, it's, that's been, I mean, I don't even know how long ago it had to be at least a decade. Yeah. Probably more than a decade. uh, Yeah. Uh, to be honest, but you know, it's it's one of those things that I, I want to remind the Oscars out there listening. You know, I I'm a pretty consistent guy. At the end of the day, the fact that I talk about the same things, uh, I just did an Emith episode uh, for the Oscars out there listening not long ago, recommending it still again. Uh, you know, even after all this time, it still is relevant. And mm-hmm. because of that consistency, I talk about strategy, systems, and scale. Right? Yeah. Jamie had a great strategy. His affiliate marketing agency to help people manage it and help deliver expertise and relationships. And we're going to talk about some of that. That's something that is viable. That's a good strategy. And then to, to deliver systems, that was the thing that was lacking. And he was able to 10 X his business at the end of the day. And the, the way you, the secret to scale, a lot of people don't fully understand this, but it's people, right? And Jamie's already alluded to this fact that now as the CEO, he's in business of making his people successful and that's that's the kind of the culmination of strategy system to scale. I'm I'm loving the the whole journey and watching it. You know, and there's there's two other things. Can I share two Please. other pivot pivot points? Uh, one was financials. So I went to school for finance. I got a degree in it. With uh, I was like two classes shy of an economics double major, uh, and I wanted just to get out and start my life. Um, and also, uh, I couldn't find an economics job that wasn't uh, me sitting in a room thinking about stuff. Uh, and that sounded awful. But I had no real understanding of corporate finance or how important a cash flow statement is and how important cash flow is and a P&L and all those, those things. And so I'm going to be pretty vulnerable. For a long time, I ran my business, and it was just another checking account. And I'm fairly certain a lot of entrepreneurs, if they're listening to this, they're like, what's wrong with that? Or yeah, well, yeah, what's I did the that point, Jamie? yeah, yeah, of course it's another checker. Yeah, that's, it, uh, I hear you. Keep going. It was, there were gut wrenching moments of, I'd never missed a payroll in 14 years, but I was minutes away. Uh, I, I've uh, had to borrow money uh, to cover bills. I'll never, ever do that again. Um, yeah, I borrowed money to cover payroll for people that I didn't have six months later. Um, but it all came from, I didn't understand how those reports and how finance impacted things. And when we did, we went from, uh, you know, our sales actually declined during that year and we were twice as profitable. So, so understanding those financials and spending the time making that a priority uh, became, um, it changed us from always having enough to now we have months and months and months of operating capital in the bank. 
and if uh, Google makes a change and it affects all our affiliates and that affects our revenue, okay, we've got months and months and months to figure it out. And there is a lightness to how I walk now <laughs> that I can't describe. And it came from just a, you know, getting, I had to get to a bottom with that. I had to get to a point where uh, we were going to miss payroll if I didn't take a loan from a friend. And I just, I didn't want to miss payroll. And then just seeing like, what, okay, we make a ton of money. The company makes a ton of money. We do really good work. Why in the world am I here? And then I hired a coach. I, I, I watched, actually, I watched an Emith uh, seminar on financials, and I really had to admit to myself that I wouldn't, I would not look at the financials because I knew I didn't understand them. And damn it, I should. I have a degree in this. And until I, then I was like, well, it's not working. I'll watch this webinar. And in there, I just was like, okay, I got to just admit, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I hired the coach and we walked through all of those. And once that changed, you make decisions based on reality, not on what you think is happening, not on, but we used to make decisions that, Hey, we just landed a new client. It's X amount of revenue. I can spend half of that on this. No, you can't. <laughs> you don't know if you can. And so now the decisions are, we're making are great. And the, the, the retained earnings, we talk about retained earnings for the first 10 years, that word, you know, that phrase never existed. Now we do. And it's phenomenal. So that like admitting to myself that I didn't know something, even though in my head, the story was I should. And that thing being finance, like you got to get a hold of your finances. And frankly, you know, even now, I look every month and go, where do I not have a hold on my finances? What, report do, what part of this report do I not understand? Uh, and that led to uh, another one. I won't put this too close because it has actual numbers. But this is my dashboard, my financial dashboard I get once a week. I love it. And it has cash on hand, what's outstanding, uh, late coming in, incomes over the month, profit, cash position, um, you know, revenue totals. It has every, every key performance indicator that I can think of that answers the question, where are we and where do I need to spend my time? So let me ask you this, Jamie, because I think that, you know, so many CEOs say, well, I also, I don't even have a finance degree and I don't necessarily understand finance to the level I need to. So there's a, a big intimidation factor. Um, not everybody wants to admit that or not everybody knows what to do about it. Although, Again, I'm, I'm sharing some of these resources for many, many people today. It's so much easier. You can plug in outside services that will handle some of this stuff, soup yeah. nuts, and produce the reports. And, but my question to you is, how, mu how many hours did you spend building that dashboard personally? Uh, the first one, I spent about 40 hours building it personally. Now, I have an assistant, and I will review it every week, and I ask three questions. Uh, what is it telling me? What is it not telling me? And what do I need to do? And from those, I'll see, oh, I need this data. And I'll say, hey, can you go grab this data? But the first one, the first one was awful. Like, it was really, really bad. Um, it didn't show me anything I needed to do. And so what I did was I just stopped and I said, what is a cash flow statement? Like, in my head, what is that? Well, I need to know what's coming in, when it's coming in, what's going out, and when it's going out. 
So I just developed uh, a spreadsheet that has this week, what is expected to come in this week? What cash position do I start with? What's expected to come in? What's expected to come out? What's my ending cash position? And then I would do that for three months at a time. Uh, and in the new business, we started that from the first day. Yeah. And that business, uh, that business will eclipse my first business revenue probably in 2019 in year four, <laughs> not year 15. So um, that first one, it was the coach walked me through, and the EMIT has a really good process for uh, key strategic indicators. Um, but it didn't go into exactly, and, and that may have been just the coach and I were working on other things, um, but that didn't go into exactly what does a cash flow statement look like, how to fill it out, what is a P&L. Like, I, know, I remember taking classes on P&L and in accounting, but I didn't know what they were until the last two years. Well, and until they matter, honestly, you know, until you, yeah. the, the problem is we can all say, yes, I need a financial statement, but until we know how to read them, and this, I went through the same evolution you did, by the way, until I understood the, what, how to read it and what the ramifications were of it, you know, like, hey, revenue's off the charts, woohoo, and then somebody goes, uh, <clears throat> take a look at the, the gross margin. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I, you know, 30% or whatever the number was. It's like, yeah, but uh, you know, for the last two years, it's been 40%. And yeah, then, then yeah. you start asking questions. It's like, well, can we get this report showing month over month variations and year over year variations and growth and line by line percent to revenue kind of ratios? Because your brain will automatically just start lining up the pieces once you start to, to learn it and understand it. So, yeah. I mean, obviously a huge defining moment to get you on a system road path and a big lesson learned in terms of getting your financial house in order. Yeah. That's still paying dividends today. But I want to approach this question one more time, because even though you had to build this, this mm -hmm. dashboard initially, today, week to week, do you have to put in the data yourself, or does, your, does somebody else, your assistant or other person, gather the data? Zero data. And, and really, the, the, I, I had a bunch of this information in disparate systems, and, it, and that made, that, what it led to was I didn't look at it, because it was so hard. But then I, I watched, uh, I was at the Catalyst 88 thing, and someone brought up the Grow uh, program. And I, I think it was Morgan. Again. It was Morgan, yeah. That was Morgan. Morgan. Gets a couple of shout outs this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Morgan. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I hope I was able to help him in any way compared to what he's helped me um, and probably doesn't know it. But uh, then I saw, I just saw like, that was what, three, four years ago, maybe two, three, four, something like that. But I saw that you could put it all in one place. And then that began like, okay, could grow work for me? And it didn't really work for us. Well, I don't, I don't need, I have people, they can put this together. So I spend uh, zero time putting the data together. Um, the first initial dashboard my assistant put together took her uh, two weeks of focused work on getting it done. And now she tells me it takes about three hours to gather all the data from disparate places. But um, I can run through that dashboard in 20 minutes. Um, if I'm, the, 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 having the data is 25% of it. The other 75% is having a system to go through it. And what do you do with it? Because I, you know, I have last week's dashboard right here. If it sits there, it doesn't help me. <laughs> so I just developed like every, I have an Evernote that has what is it telling me? And sometimes it's like I have X amount in the bank. I have X amount I'm waiting for. Uh, X amount of checks are going to clear. 
Um, and other times it's like, you know, there's a gross margin problem or wow, this one client, their invoices have continued to go down. What's going on? It's telling me there's a problem there. Um, and so uh, that process of to make sure you go through it, um, that can take 20 minutes. You know, the first one, man, the first, the first probably 10, the first 10 weeks, I was learning so much that I'd spend like half a day uh, or more on the dashboard. But now we, you know, I, under, I trust the process that we have. I have ways to verify that the data is accurate very quickly. Some spot checks I have. And so now I, I can see where we are financially, where we are sales, where we are with our clients in a half an hour or less per week. And that'll tell me, Jamie, you need to focus on, wow, this team, all their campaigns are down. You need to go see what's going on with that team. You don't have to go check and micromanage everybody, but this little thing is showing you need to go here. And, oh, uh, late receivables went up by 60% last month. Okay, let's meet with the CFO. Let's find out what our collection process is. Why do we have so much late that we didn't before? And just those simple questions like, hey, where are we on these? These three accounts owe us a lot of money. What's going on? And then sometimes we'll find like, oh, they didn't get the invoice or the process broke or I didn't manage the process. And that allows me um, to spend time on the things that, that matter, uh, allows me to spend a little more time with that other business and kind of prepare for what's, uh, you know, when both of these businesses kind of run with me in a chairman role where I, I don't have to be here day to day, uh, I get to kind of figure out, okay, what am I going to do? <laughs> it's a uh, Cadillac problem out there uh, for it, the outsourcers. Then, uh, and, and by the way, so many people, they, they have heard of this concept of a business that, you know, kind of runs systemically and has the potential to run without, you know, the founder as the, the day-to-day operator. But I, I think a lot of people think it's, it's one of those urban legends, you know, does it, does it really exist? Is it another Bigfoot? You know, and yeah. the reality is it does exist. It can happen. Um, so I love what we've done so far. Before we cut to the break and uh, we talk a little bit more about affiliate marketing in detail, was there ever a time in your, your career so far where you, you just wanted to give up and kind of pack up the tent and maybe go back to, you know, whatever, you know, factory work, finance work, you know, whatever the fallback plan is. Have you ever wanted to give up? Yes. Um... I'm trying to think which time I can talk. I want to talk about. No, I, I remember uh, for a period when we didn't have our financial house in order, uh, personally or corporately, that my wife and I every week or every two weeks would alternate fetal positions. So one time I was strong and I'm like, no, we're going to carry through. And she would, I mean, really crying, like we have all this to pay and we, we can't do it. Just go get a job. And then other times I would crumble and she would be strong. And, and it really did boil down to um, we didn't have the right people. We didn't have any systems. And we were not, I was not managing our finances uh, the way that we do now. And, 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 you know, I'm not beating myself up. I didn't know. Um, I, I love Central Washington. I got a three seven <laughs> in finance. I was there. They didn't. That degree did not equip me to run my own business. So, you know. So, though there were many moments where um, we were thinking about, like, what would just getting a job look like? What What would that look like for our lifestyle? 
um, you know, gosh, could I work for someone else? After you do it for a while, I think right now I, I'd be an awful employee because someone would come find me and I'd just be working from somewhere else or I wouldn't be working. I'd be doing yeah. whatever I wanted to do. It's like, hey, I'm uh, over here thinking about uh, big picture things. And they're like, hey, you get over there and enter some data. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, listen, I appreciate you sharing that, uh, you know, that kind of reflection uh, back and this is, again, just a reminder for awesomers out there that, you know, sometimes the journey has these, the ebb and flow of, you know, positives and negatives, and you just kind of got to cope and you got to push on through. Um, and, and it's just part of the process. At the end of the day, until you learn how to put the financial house in order, until you learn how to manage uh, a team or put systems into place, you can just expect to, to solve more problems. And ultimately, if each day you go, hey, I solved a few less problems today, certainly not the same problems, ideally, that means you're making progress day to day. Is that how you kind of see it? Yeah. And uh, those moments were my biggest learnings. Like, it, it really was darkest before the dawn. Uh, and if I would have quit, I, I would still be that person that life was trying to tell me that needed to learn this thing. And so now, and, and granted, 15 years, almost 20 years of this type of stuff, uh, I look at those things of like, okay, we're hitting the wall and I don't want to do this anymore. What do I not, what am I not seeing that I need to learn? Because uh, sometimes it's like, hey, sometimes stuff sucks and you don't have to stress about it. It just does. And you have to get, I have to get better at just being okay with like, this is difficult. Other times it's like, man, your p and is trying to teach you something. Your debtors are trying to teach you something. Life is just trying to show you that you aren't taking care of this, or there's a skill you need to add, or there's someone you need to bring in to help you. And so I would say in those moments, when you're in those moments, man, if you can just get some separation from yourself and it and just go, okay, what am I, what do I need to learn? Yeah, I think that's uh, really sage wisdom. Uh, awesome. So when we come right back after this break, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about physical product affiliates and, and how they work today. And, you know, a lot of people who are just focused on Amazon don't even know that this is such a widespread, very large business. But we're going to dive into it with a world-class expert right after this. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals, congratulations on your success to date. Your creativity, strategic vision, problem solving, and discipline have allowed you to build your own e-commerce business. Wouldn't it be great if you had more time to focus on the things that truly drive the sales and growth of your company? Instead of getting lost in a dozen different services and countless spreadsheets, what if there was one system that connected to your Amazon account and automatically gave you the information that you needed to make great decisions and really impact your business? Parsimony ERP can do that. Parsimony is the business operating system for your marketplace business. With Parsimony, you get true double entry bookkeeping, easy financial statements, full customer service tools, and item-by-item item profitability, along with project and task management, and more features are being added all the time. Learn more at parsimony.com. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com. Parsimony.com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, Awesomers, Steve Simonson back here again with Jamie Birch. And as, as we kind of come to the, the conclusion of the show, I want to really give us some time to talk a little bit about a typical affiliate type of client that JEV Commerce interfaces with. Now, um, I'll let you set the stage and I'll, I'll ask you questions, but what's a typical customer who approaches JEV look like? Well, they, uh, they do offer a physical good. 
So clothing, uh, electronics, um, uh, beauty uh, are big areas for us. So um, one of our big, and, and travel. Travel is a, a huge aspect as well, a, a huge client base. And so they come to us and they want to broaden their exposure to new customers uh, and to get their products in front of more people and, and sell more money, or sell, sell more product, make more money. Um, and so they're usually, uh, you know, there's a, uh, there's a size that they need to be where our fees are uh, appropriate for them. Uh, and, uh, but usually it's in those categories, health, travel, beauty, fitness, uh, clothing, apparel. But and one of the reasons uh, I'm suspecting, and, and just from my own experience, I'm, I, I know that the reason they approach you is a couple reasons. Right? You know, technically, a company could do this themselves, couldn't they? They could, yeah. So, yeah there's so, no reason they couldn't. Yeah, the, it's, it's not a matter of the skill set. What, what do you think that JEB brings that, that these guys don't have kind of in-house? Uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the skill set uh, always. Well, it's really tough to find people who do what we do and have the experience and have the relationships. So unlike SEO, unlike email, uh, some of the, and, and I'm not uh, speaking down to those channels. Uh, a lot of those you can increase, you can pull a lever, things change, and you can see. You can increase your budget in an ad group, you can change the copy, and you can see today what's happening with that. There are levers to pull in affiliate marketing, but it really is relationship building. You know, who have you been working with for five years that you can call and they'll put an offer up today without any testing uh, and, and to give you that opportunity. Um, and you really are. You're dealing with someone on the other end of that phone or in the email and you're trying to convince them that this is good for them to promote this offer, this product, this this company. Uh, and we have that. We uh, we've been I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Uh, a lot of my staff has been doing this for almost a decade, uh, and we bring that ability. One, uh, we know how to do this. Two, we have the relationships uh, to get this done, uh, and that that makes a whole difference. And we've throughout our time working on systems, we've built our own coaching program that gets people who have never heard of affiliate marketing into good affiliate managers in like twelve weeks, and so. That allows us to uh, to train people quickly. Um, that's difficult, and and it, there's not a pool of affiliate managers, advertisers can go pull from. Uh, you know, they're not teaching it in college, so it's really difficult to find that skill set. Well, and this this is one of the points that I want to get across to, uh, particularly those that are trying to build offline or off Amazon channels. So yeah, you know, e-commerce is a big business. So many people that I I interface with are what I call the Amazon cornerstone business owner, right? They, they've, they've set their foundational cornerstone on Amazon. It's going great, right? There's a lot of upsides to it. There's always, you know, uh, challenges in any channel. But as they start to look at setting that next foundation stone, some of them just don't believe that you can have a website make sales of a, you know, substantial nature. And the, the reality is I would guess that most of your, your clients are big e-commerce sellers and they have a big business in their own right, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say 99% of them, uh, we manage their digital marketing, their affiliate programs for their own site. And they may or may not participate in Amazon uh, or any of the marketplaces at all. Uh, and last year, we drove $140 million uh, in retail sales for our clients. 
Uh, and this, this year, probably another 50, 70% more than that. So that's just us. Like, yeah. Just, just know. one part of the ecosystem and, and yeah. an excellent part as well. And this is really uh, the, the, the point for the Osmers out there listening. If, if you have your own website, it's not just how many Facebook ads that you run. It's not just how many Google ads that you run. It's not just how well you can do an SEO or how well you can email, right? Jamie's kind of talked about mm -hmm. some of these channels. You have to kind of do all of these pieces, but don't forget one of the most important things, I think, is the idea of interfacing with people who are influencers and have audiences using traditional affiliate marketing for physical products. It really is extraordinarily effective. Yeah, and look at it this way. You, uh, you have an ideal customer, and then there are these audience pockets that people have developed. You want access to as many of those pockets of audience that match your ideal customer. So go get them. If that means you're going to uh, do paid search through AdWords, awesome. Go do that. If you're going to create email campaigns or buy emails or however you're going to do your email marketing, do that. If you're going to be on Instagram, Facebook ads, all that stuff, go do those things. An affiliate is that too. Those, those affiliates have spent some, sometimes longer than I've been doing this in building an audience. And they know who their audience is. And a lot of times, that's where that audience shops. So if you want access to that, that's where you have to be. And so don't look at it as something I don't know. Just get basic. This is you want access to as many audiences as possible. Guess what? Amazon has a lot of people in that audience. Awesome. You're there. Now, where is the next audience? You want to make sure you get some diversification. Uh, one of the things that affiliate marketing brings is that diversification because you can work with a loyalty partner. Uh, and a lot of times for smaller brands that are cornerstone Amazon uh, places, they don't have the brand at that uh, Zappos or a Zulily or, or someone, you know, uh, uh, Coca-Cola has. You're going to have to work over time to build that brand. And these, uh, the affiliates can expose you to different pockets of those audience of that big audience uh, that you may not uh, have access to, or you, maybe you only have one budget item. You know, you, you only have enough to do one thing. I'd go do that because that's going to, you're going to find a paid search affiliate. You're going to find an SEO affiliate, a loyalty affiliate, influencers. Uh, you know, you're going to find uh, coupon and discount shoppers. Um, you're going to find the exact audience you need uh, through that channel. Well, there's so much in this particular segment, uh, affiliate marketing, that we could dive into. And I, I just want to share with customers out there, this is just a thumbnail sketch. This is just the beginning. This is certainly not the end. And the opportunity is still extraordinarily valuable. And fundamentally, one of the best parts of it that I like is that it is a cost per acquisition. It's a performance-based methodology versus the, I'm going to throw a bunch of money in the sky and hope something works. And that's you know, that's to me is one of the, the best benefits. Uh, Jamie, as we're against the clock here, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll probably have you back on at one of these times or maybe somebody from your team to dive a little bit more into detail in an authority episode. But do you have any final words of wisdom for the Osmers out there who are listening? Um, yeah, final words of wisdom is, uh, I guess the biggest thing for me that I've learned in this business is I'm my biggest bottleneck. And our immense growth and the success that my wife and I have had through our multiple businesses, it has gone from, yeah, we have a good life, but we're always, we're still paycheck to paycheck. Uh, going to, that's not the case. That has been um, looking inward and finding out 
where am I being the bottleneck? What things do I not even realize that I'm doing that's inhibiting my personal professional growth and the revenue of my organization? Uh, and so I would say, you know, grab the, uh, the E-Myth book is, is definitely one of them. And the other is to start look inward and, and observe yourself in action. Uh, so I don't know, maybe that's a little too hippy-dippy. But. Well, uh, yeah, we were we were expecting some kind of hippy dippy. Got it in under the wire. No, that's actually quite good advice. And really, it, this this is consistent with the same things that I talk about on a regular basis. You know, figure out how to you know get your your ducks in a row, both you know financially, personally, as a business. All of this is just about organizing things. So I think that's really uh, sage wisdom. And I thank you again for your time and and giving back to the uh, the awesomers out there. Uh, awesomers, if you're listening, uh, definitely we'll put the links in uh, to Jamie's company and and uh, let you reach out and figure out you know how to learn a little bit more about this. Uh, and Jamie, thank you for your time today. You're welcome. It was an honor. Always great to speak with you. Certainly my pleasure. Awesomers, we'll be right back after this. Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Boy, as always, I'm, I'm just so excited to hang out with Awesomers. Jamie is uh, a world-class Awesomer in every possible way. And he's somebody that is really just always trying to do better for himself and do better for his people and his company and his clients. It's, it's a really positive type of atmosphere to be around, and, and he's always an inspiring guy to me. Uh, you know, one of the things I want to really dive in on is the, the fact that, you know, we discussed this within the episode, but if you're trying to build your own website, affiliate marketing is probably second only to email in terms of effectiveness. And too often people miss affiliate marketing or they get confused about you know digital marketing uh, or digital products being the only thing that affiliates work on. But physical products and affiliates go way back into the very origin days of, of the uh, internet. And at one point we had, uh, this was back in the, the old days, but we had a sales channel of affiliates that was built up and we were almost, in fact, I think we were larger than Major League Baseball in terms of affiliate sales at the time. This is when they were first getting their start. I'm sure they could kick the crap out of me today. But the point is affiliate marketing has huge value. It's a cost per acquisition channel, which is all performance based. This is not a, you know, I'm going to spend, uh, you know, $10,000 on this marketing channel. I hope something comes through. You only spend money when you get a sale. It's really, really, really effective. And I know that the Empower e-commerce cooperative is working on an affiliate program that members can join and get a special break on and enjoy some of the, the benefits of driving traffic to your own website. Such an important thing. I just can't stress it enough. I don't like the idea of people just being in a single channel, whether it's your own or anybody else's on the marketplace or what have you, and without some other uh, opportunity to make sales and find customers wherever they want to be uh, in terms of their online behaviors. Not everybody goes to eBay or Etsy or Amazon or Jet or whomever. So these are very important marketing concepts, and I, I really appreciate that you know, Jamie came in and took the time to hang out with us. So to find show notes and details, things that we've talked about, 
go ahead on over to awesomers.com slash 44. And uh, don't forget that that newsletter over there is probably worth you signing up for. Uh, we don't spam you. We send you lots of fun uh, and I think valuable things at no cost. That's a pretty good deal. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at Awesomers.com. Thank you again. Awesomers.com